0: So I think um, uh, we had a lot of technical difficulties this morning. For those of you online, thanks for your patience. We're always doing our best. So thank you for encouraging us along and bearing with that. But um It's our anniversary today, in case you missed that, and so we're definitely going to be speaking a little bit about that. It's our church anniversary, 38 years of being established in the city, so I know it's something to rejoice about for sure. Um, But before we get started, uh, somebody in our church has a rental unit, and he was contacted um, by the either the IRC or Catholic Community Services. And he's been working really hard all week in preparing his unit for Afghani refugees And um, it just really blessed me that we've been praying for them here in our midst. And then someone in our own community gets to welcome them here. And uh, he told me they have six, they need 60 more units. And these are paid for units. Like he's renting his unit out and they, they, they need 60 more places for either families or couples. So I wanted to start, we're giving, we've been talking about giving, to um, this community. So let's pray real quick. God, we just pray uh, for these 60 families and all the others, all um, everyone who's come. But for these 60 families, we pray that the right places would open up for them with the right neighbors in the right locations so that their children can grow and thrive and so that they can all recover We ask for grace for these 60 families that um, they would find a home and a place where they can be at peace and where they can um, adjust to this new life. And we bless them. We bless this family in particular that's going to be with someone in our midst. We just pray that they would um, come to know you, Lord, and know your goodness in this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Aaron and I are going to be tag teaming a bit today. Um, On birthdays and anniversaries, we often tell stories, right? We tell stories about how we met. When businesses celebrate anniversaries, why is it so cool that if they started in a garage? I don't know, but everybody tells them we started a business in our garage story. Um, (laughs) um, We tell childbirth stories. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell any childbirth stories. But we tell stories to remember, to remember where we came from and where we're going. Think about it. Here, we ask each other all the time, are you from Utah? Were you raised here? When did you get here? We have some of us who just got here a few months ago, and others who are like fifth generation Utahns and proud of it, like Crystal over here. And some of us, when they ask us, we say, I'm not from here, (laughs) We have all sorts, right? We we like to tell stories about where we're from to identify ourselves. And as Christians and as people of faith, we share some really big stories with people all over the world. We share stories like the Exodus story, which is the Prince of Egypt story or the Ten Commandments story, depending on what generation you come from. But it's a story about how God's people were enslaved in Egypt to Egyptian pharaohs who were harsh and brutal taskmasters, enslaved to greed and production, and where they were required to produce something out of nothing in their own strength. And I just realized as I'm telling this Exodus story, we're taking a pause from James just for this week, for those of you who've been following along. But I wanna talk about stories because it's our anniversary today. But anyways, God's people are stuck in this land with these brutal taskmasters, and God hears their cry for deliverance, and he breaks into this endless cycle of slavery and oppression, and he calls them out of it. He calls them out, and he sends Moses on his behalf, and what does Moses say on God's behalf? Let my people go so they can come and worship me. And he wants them to get out of this cycle and this bondage so he can meet with them and they can connect. And he and he will be their provider. He will be their protector. He will be their light in the wilderness. So they escape Egypt and they make it to the Red Sea and they're trapped at this Red Sea and they have waters ahead of him. They have Pharaoh's army barreling down behind them. They're terrified, they're scared. And what does God do? God opens up the Red Sea and delivers his people. And this is a story we've told for generations and generations and generations, like our parents tell their stories over and over and over again, right? And the way of the Red Sea and the waters of the Red Sea become this constant image for people of God's faithfulness, of God calling them, of his power, of his deliverance, and of his faithfulness. Joshua would tell the story later on to rally God's people before they were supposed to move to a different land. Jephthah, one of um, the judges in Israel, would tell the story to intimidate the enemies, like, listen, we've got God with us, back off. The psalmist would sing it, sing about the Red Sea to remember God's love. I'm going to see the first phrase. You guys say the second phrase. Give thanks to him. Could we get that scripture up, Grace? Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. Everybody say with me. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. So we would sing, we'd tell stories to remember and worship. The prophet Isaiah used the imagery in intercession and for prayer. Oh, arm of the Lord, awake as in days gone by. Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? You've done it before God, do it again. In Acts 7, we read about the early church, and, the, and Stephen, one of the early apostles, he's, he's, um, he's being persecuted, and he tells a story. He's standing before a religious group of people, a raging religious group of people who know, who share the same story. And he's like, remember, remember the way of the Red Sea? Remember we have this joint history and joint faith in God? And this time they, did, they didn't They did listen, and he was still put to death. But it's if God's people over all this time, hundreds of years, they knew already the idea that was later recorded in Revelations 12, 11, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The message puts it this way. They defeated him through, and this is speaking about Satan, the accuser, They defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. That's how we overcome, is by telling stories and the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did for us. Today, we still sing songs about the waters of the Red Sea, you know, you split the sea so I could walk right through it, you know, that song. We want to remind ourselves where we come from, to rally ourselves to courage, to remember who we are along with believers all over the world over time and space. And we praise God for his faithfulness and pray when we feel faithless. So we have this big story of faith And then each of us have, as individuals have faith stories. And if you go onto our um, website, onto the podcast, there's a series called Faith Series where you can hear amazing stories of God's faithfulness and individual stories. And I recommend you go there to hear our individual stories. We all have different reasons and different paths that we've come on to start following Jesus and answer his call because he's calling us. And these are important stories. But this morning, and I'm going to tag team a bit with Aaron, and he's going to share a bit too, but we're going to start with telling our story here since it's our 38th birthday. And I want to tell this story um, because when we come together, sing, give, pray, study, eat, remember, touch one another, it's almost like we're coming together as one of those tribes in that big people big nation of god's people we're one of we're this little tribe here and we come and we go and we join and we travel together and we and over 38 years there's been a tribe here moving along and we're here today with the, those of us who gather at 615 east sega drive how do we get here what's our story i could go a long ways back in our spiritual genealogy But we'll save that for another day. I think if Tom Sanger, king of puns, were here, he'd say, if you shake your family tree, watch for the nuts to fall. (laughs) We have a few of those here and there in our story. But I'm not talking about those so much today. And I'm not going to use names today which there are times in genealogies where you use names, right? And it's good to honor the people who've come before us. But I'm not going to use names today because I want you to picture yourself in the story. Like, could, could I be in the story? Could I be part of the story? So we will start as recent as 1959 in Alaska, the last frontier in a little Quonset hut there 18 people, including children. There are always children included in these beginning stories. Even Pharaoh was going to let all the men to go worship out in the desert. And Moses or God said, no, I want the men, the women, the children, and the animals. I want them all out in the wilderness with me. So you'll always see there. It's all of us so men and women and children in this little hut on the alaskan frontier and it was hard and it didn't go very well at first but in the 60s and 70s this, the holy spirit started moving and there was this thing called the jesus people movement that happened some of you probably don't know what the jesus people movement was it was it was this time of uncertainty and radical change in the Vietnam War and an emerging counterculture and the sexual revolution and the civil rights movement. And in the midst of all this troubling time, the Holy Spirit's at work, just like the Holy Spirit is always at work. and But during this time, there was a major movement of young people turning to and finding hope in Jesus experiencing the love and the power of the Holy Spirit and then giving their lives to be witnesses to this new way of life. Soon enough, the church there grew. And in the late 70s, they started sending young people all over the world, all over the world. One group they sent to Missoula, Montana. And once they got there, they impacted a whole nother group of people in Montana, who started following Jesus. And um, they looked just like we look today, except for, yeah, they looked just, except they were wearing bell bottoms and had long hair and looked like hippies, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of us still look that way. <laughs> Do you know if Steve Wonky used to look like a hippie? <laughs> it's so hard to believe. <laughs> and my dad had hair down to here over there, that guy, hair down to here. Anyways, these young people were high school students, just graduated, college kids, lumber mill workers, college students, one, a Fulbright Scholar, small engine mechanics, carpet layers, secretaries, computer programmers, musicians, teachers, coaches, farmers, all sorts of people with different skill sets and personalities and vocations and family histories, but they had a handful of older and wiser people behind them, encouraging them, discipling them. And they, what they shared, though, was that their lives had been changed. They'd turned to Jesus, and they wanted to be witnesses for him. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise, By human standards, not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's this movement of people turning and finding hope in Jesus, experiencing the love and power of the Holy Spirit, giving their lives, being witnesses. This group of people were so compelled by this, what was happening in their lives and what Jesus had done that they decided to move to Utah. <laughs> to share what God had put in them here. So in 1983, 38 years ago, I love that palindrome again. I don't know why I geek out about those silly things, but a group of 16 young people, including children, packed their bags and all moved to Salt Lake City. It wasn't easy. They lived in one house, some of them for up to six weeks only two of them had jobs. I would have been irritated by week one, I know it. By week two, I would have been irritated with God that I was even in the situation. By week three, I would have been irritated that anything that moves. And all along, I would have been irritated that I was so irritated. (laughs) But I just don't, uh, it's a good thing I wasn't part of that team, right? (laughs) But they were excited. And they were full of faith, and it propelled them forward. They were willing to do that. They were willing to take this faith risk because they wanted people here to have what they had in them. October 31st, they had their first worship service in an office building on the southwest corner of Fort Union and Highland Drive behind the Taco Bell that's still there to this day us and Taco Bell, we're still here. (laughs) Salt Lake Christian Fellowship was born. I, I guess I did tell one birth story. For the next 38 years, this group of young people would grow up, change, have hard times, have good times, be witnesses, and lead another generation in being witnesses. Their children would grow and others would join them As we all continued to turn to Jesus and experience his love and power, there were good days and bad things, things we did right, things we did wrong. Thousands of people would be part of the story. As we came and we would come and go, some of us would stay here in Utah. Some of us moved to Cache Valley. Some of us to St. George. Others of us went to the ends of the earth like Vanuatu or Malaysia and Indonesia. Some of us are still out there. I think I need to take out my earring. Is it bugging people? Sorry if that was too click quacky. Over the years, we would enjoy the wonder and joy of God's presence in worship, lifting Jesus's name, exalting Him, savoring all the times God would. We'd have encounters with God in this place, in our homes, in the mountains, wherever we met. We would learn to eat from the tree of life, focusing on being in relationship and love with God and others instead of striving to be good and do everything right and avoid everything wrong, instead of eating from the tree of of knowledge of good and evil, and we call this legalism, and legalism is when people can easily fall into the trap. We as religious people easily fall into the trap of living by the love of law the love of doing what is right and wrong instead of living by the law of love and letting right and wrong come out of our love. I love talking more about that. If you want to talk more about it, let's talk about it later. But that was a big thing that changed in the way we cared for one another and the way we were witnesses. At one point, people started coming to us Just people, and people show up on Saturday mornings in our parking lot to this day. It happened in September, just so you all know. Begging for help because they're tormented by evil spirits. And God in his faithfulness brought us people to help us care for people. In his faithfulness, he brought us people who some just came to us for a year and they were able to equip us and train us in understanding the spiritual realm and the problem of demons and generational bondage. We were equipped to help people coming to us and we were transformed in the process. We're helping them, but we learned tools that, oh my goodness, I needed some change in my life. I needed deliverance. The Holy Spirit and courageous advocates among us would lead us to open our leadership team and equipping opportunities to women like me, not just the men. We realized we were both created in the image of God and our eyes were open to how much we need to include women and how much we as women have to offer in the kingdom there's so much more I could say about the freedom God brought us about having kingdom culture instead of just American culture. Because our story is way bigger than America. Way bigger. And so we have a, we, God brought us people who could give us a kingdom perspective and not just an American perspective. There's so much I could say to celebrate what God has done in our midst. And I pray that by telling this story again and again, we are reminded of God's faithfulness. We are rallied to be courageous. That our enemies will be defeated. And by the blood of the lamb, we can overcome. And that we will sing praise and ask God to continue to do his good work in our lives. And after all these years... We're still not that wise by human standards, not that influential, weak in many ways, lowly in many ways. And yet God is calling us as witnesses to people who don't know Jesus. We want to be a people who tell the story that leads people everywhere, to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, so they can know the love of God and be empowered to love God themselves and others well. Amen? So I'm going to pass the baton now to Aaron here. I've been thinking about um,
1: when when we talk about God in the old Testament, oftentimes you hear the reference of God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you get that generational transition of God becoming real and live to Abraham. And then you saw God live and real to Isaac. And then you saw God alive and real and reinforcing the promises from generation to generation to generation. And in our community and in our midst, I love to look back at the history and see from generation to generation to generation. And the Lord has us uh, as a new generation, a third generation, uh, second generation, wherever we are. It doesn't really matter where we are on that. But the Lord calls and the Lord wants to reveal Himself and work in our midst in, in new ways. From generation to generation, I was thinking about the story, and I want to give us um, three thoughts today. Um, Sarah was talking about our story. I want to give us a couple of thoughts about what are what are things that we hold as individuals in our journey with the Lord as valuable, as important, as critical in our culture. And Sarah talked about our culture, the things um, that we find as valuable. Yes, we we came to be witnesses. And you know, when I think about culture, um, culture is is about not just what you do, but it's about how you do it. Um, You hear the term sometimes, the ends justify the means, or the ends don't justify the means. But this idea of, it's not just about what you're called to, but it's about how you're called to go think about a business or think about an environment or think about your work or think about your family. Uh, If you're running after success at the expense of your health, your relationships, your family, your kids, you're pursuing something, a goal, um, but you're doing it in a means that's destructive. That's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to carry you. So what in your culture, what in your values do we hold as people? Uh, not just the ends, not just the things we're going after, but how we go after them. So I was reflecting about Jesus and at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, you know, we like to talk about Jesus. He started his ministry when he was 30, and he, he had about three years of ministry um, before he was, was uh, killed and resurrected. So about three years of ministry. But this marking of the beginning of Jesus's ministry started with this temptation of of Jesus being out in the wilderness and him being tempted by the enemy, tempted by the devil. And uh, Matthew records this. There's three temptations. I'm just going to read you the last one in Matthew four. It says the devil took Jesus to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said, I will give it all to you. If you will kneel down and worship me, get out of here. Satan Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. What, what I want to convey in this one, this, this first example was that Jesus got worship right the devil came and said, Hey, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now we could argue about whether it was really the devil's to give in the first place. Um, But in reality, that was Jesus's inheritance. That is the inheritance of the Lord, the kingdoms of the world and all their glory belong to him. And that, that, that is the end. That is the end story. And the devil's like, Hey, why don't you take a shortcut? Why don't you take a shortcut? The ends justify the means, right? You want all the kingdoms and all the glory. Why don't you take a shortcut? And Jesus said, no, you worship the Lord and serve only him. Jesus got worship right. And one of the things that we desire as a community to be an identifier for us and as individuals is that we get worship first. Worship being the primary thing. We exist because we want to worship that's why we exist, to have worship right. Not to have the ends right, not to be successful, not to obtain, not to, to, to draw glory to ourselves. But in our lives, we worship the Lord first. We have worship first. So I want to encourage us, as I'm speaking about these identifiers, I want them to be things that we recognize as a community, but also equipping ourselves as individuals and how we walk with the Lord. When we think about our stories, when we think about our journeys, when we remember both the past, but we also think about the future. On our birthday, we think about, oh, what's the next year gonna be like? What are you hoping for in this next year? Lord, how is it that worship can be first? The second thing that I wanted to draw out that Jesus tells story after story in the New Testament is he tells stories of faithfulness. He he doesn't he doesn't say well done you good and successful servant, well done you good and smart servant you good and wise servant you da, 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 da. he says well done you good and faithful servant, He talks about faithfulness all over so many of the stories in the New Testament that Jesus tells us I've given you this talent what I've given you be faithful with this and I'll give you more, be faithful with that I give you I'll give you more. Be faithful with what I give you. I will give you more. In Matthew 25, 23, there's the story of, of the talents that, that uh, are given. And at the end, the, the master replies and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What is the Lord, oftentimes in our culture and in our times, we can spend time in comparison and looking At others and what do other people have? And we actually, by looking at what other people have or what we don't have, we don't actually see what we do have. If I spend all my time looking at what other people have, I don't recognize what has the Lord given me. And that's what the Lord is after worshipers. He's after those that He's given to each of us a measure of faith, says in Romans, He's given us gifts. What do we, we've got to look at what he's given us. And he just says, be faithful with what I've given you. The third thing. So worship faithfulness and the third being love where he talks about in John 13, Jesus says, people will know you're my disciples, not by your buildings, not by your empires, not by what you build, not by how successful you are again, They're going to know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. As a church, as a community, I I wanted to raise these ideas, these these things that as we're witnesses in this land, as we're walking out the calling that the Lord's given us in this land, Lord, how can we have worship be primary? How can we be faithful with, with what you've given us? And how can we be known? How can we be known by the love that we have for one another? One of the things that we have in our culture, and it's, it's interesting, we have, we're both, um, I, we talk to a lot of different church leaders, and there's new churches that have come, and they talk about how um, their challenge is there. And we're a church that's been here a while, and what are the things that we're experiencing? And one of the things that we've, um, we have in our community is both a time of newness, of both old things as, and new things. And one of the things that we have in our community are some key identifiers that we're desiring to press after. And I just wanna hit two or three of them. I'm not gonna talk about all of them, Um, but one of them is freedom. We want to be a place that's free, free for people to um, be invited to, to seek faith, be invited to faith, be invited to question, be invited to learn, but we want a place of freedom Also, we want a place of freedom where we're free from sin and death. When you think about that Exodus story that Sarah talked about, that was freedom. They were freedom. They were freed from their slavery. They were freed from their sin. They were freed from their bondage. There's freedom from, and we want this to be a place of being free to, free to worship, free to grow, free to live. We desire freedom. The second is we desire a kingdom culture. culture that doesn't look American, that doesn't look Canadian, that doesn't look whatever, pick your culture, but we want the Lord's culture to be here. And you know, and oftentimes that uh, Jesus spent a lot of time addressing culture in his day, when you read in the New Testament so much of what he's saying is, you've heard it said this way, I say this. You've been worshiping this way, but you've been missing it. You've been missing the priorities. You prioritize this over this. Let me set it straight. We desire in our our culture and our time to establish a, a kingdom culture that's founded on the person of Jesus. That's led and directed by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't look like our world systems. And doesn't look like just religious tradition. And the last one. And I'm gonna combine a bunch of them and I'm just gonna call it deep discipleship. We believe the Lord's calling us into relationships, calling us into wholeness, calling us to follow. When Jesus called his disciples and sent them out at the end, he said, "He said, go and make disciples. This, this process of being a witness, this process of going, people went from Alaska to Montana to Utah to all over the place, to be a witness of Jesus and to make disciples. And that's our desire in this place is deep discipleship. So over this time, and I know we're going to end here in a time of prayer in this process, the Lord continues to change. And Sarah talked, he continues to bring change in us. And that's what I love about walking with the Lord is that he continues to change us and mature us. And so For us as a community, how is the Lord taking us into this next season, into this next time? So on our birthday, on our anniversary, we wanted to remind us a little bit about who we are and some distinctives about our culture and distinctives about how we do what we do. um, Because we believe the Lord has a future for us here. We believe the Lord has a future for us. And it's going to draw on both the things that we bring from the past and also the things that the Lord takes us in into the future. Amen. So I'm going to hand it back to Sarah.
0: Yeah. We want to finish with prayer. When we say worship, worship means so many things. Worship is not just the singing, it's 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 giving, it's um praying it's serving worship is just like it's this connection um with god and then others and so when we talk about worship we um sorry i'm getting on a tangent (laughs) i just as we finish we want to finish with prayer because prayer is inviting god into our lives and inviting and and responding to god's invitation to us And so we wanna be a people of prayer and worship where Jesus, everything is in him and through him and by him in our midst. So um, I'm going to pray first of all for us as a community. I wanna pray um, celebration, giving thanks for God's faithfulness for all these years. And I wanna pray for courage as a community that we will continue that call. And then when I'm finished praying, I'm going to invite you to meet with someone, get with someone in this group and pray for these two things. One, that we would have courage to be a people of worship, love and faithfulness. And then two, for the people we've come to witness to, that the people in our land would have courage also to follow Jesus. And so um, stand with me if you would, please and I'll pray, and then we encourage you to get with some people to pray. And we'll be be finished at that point, we'll be done. And so when we're done um, with that, if you would like prayer with someone else for a special need, we have people available here at these back tables that they'd be happy to meet with you. And then if you're online, reach out to us, we'll pray with you over the phone or get us your phone number and we'll connect with you there. Um, and then afterwards, we have leftover desserts from last night. If you like some coffee and desserts in the foyer. And so that'll be fun. Go, yeah, some people are really excited about those desserts. That's good. So, God, we just give you thanks. Our hearts are full of gratitude for what you've done in our midst all these years. We're thankful for all the people who have been equipped, all the people who've been touched, all the people who have experienced you in this community. And what a, what a privilege, what a joy to be part of what you are doing in this place. What a privilege to see how the landscape has changed and how we have changed because of what you have done in our lives and in this land. We just rejoice with that and give thanks. And I also pray for this community that we would be a bold witness in this place of the love of God, the unconditional free love of God, that Jesus Paid for at the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Give us courage to be those bold witnesses, to share our stories, to love others and touch others with the hope of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's get together with one another and pray and invite the Holy Spirit to bring us courage.